I was born 10 years after World War II finished, and World War II uh, was in, in the mind of, of the United States. It really affected all of the baby boomer generation, which were kind of like all the kids that got conceived as the GIs came home. They wanted to, uh, from the Japanese theater, the Pacific, and also in, uh, in Germany and fighting the Germans. So all these GIs. Then all of us baby boomer generation from 1948 to 1964. How many of you were born in that, that from 1948 to 1964? Raise your hand. Well, pretty young congregation. The rest of you are just kids. Um, so in our generation, we heard a lot about World War II because our fathers and grandpas and stuff fought in it. But there were a lot of operations that really took extreme uh, caution and careful planning to, to uh, make work. One of them was the rescue of the Allied troops at the beach of Dunkirk in France. And so the British sent over all kinds of anything that would pretty much float from small fishing boats to as much as they could and they rescued like the remnant of the Polish army, the French army, and the British army, rescued them from the beach of Dunkirk. And so there was almost like miracles that happened. The, uh, the sky clouded up so the German uh, Stuka uh, bombers couldn't, couldn't nail the people on the beach and, 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 and it was amazing. Then there was a naval battle called Midway. There's a new movie out on Midway. There's an old one, I think, that had Charlton Heston in it and lots of documentaries. And Midway was a naval battle. And uh, so we, we picked up intelligence and we decoded what was going on with the, with the Japanese. And so we sent some of our carriers and, and, and things uh, to Midway in anticipation of, of the Russian uh, naval unit arriving there and so once again with the planning it, it came off perfectly and so it really began to um, defeat Japanese naval power. Then also too the, the final operation that, that comes to my mind is D-Day where thousands of troops hit the beach uh, in Normandy in, in this, the summer of 1945 and, uh, and so the Normandy invasion, or 44, and the Normandy invasion was ver very carefully uh, planned. And, uh, and, and it came off successfully. Well, God has a plan of redemption that was very, very careful. And it required a lot of uh, moving parts to come together all at once. Last week, I extensively covered the necessity of Christ dying in our place for our sins. Uh, we know that Jesus, the God-man, never sinned one time in his life on earth. He often spoke of his mission on earth, which was to suffer for the sins of the world, to die for three days and then rise from the dead. That is to be, uh, and that is, to rise from the dead is to be resurrected from the dead as a proof that his sin payment was received. These components had to work perfectly in order for this mission to work. Number one, Jesus had to be sinless. Number two, Jesus had to willingly lay his life down. Number three, he had to be dead for three days. <laughs> and four, he had to rise from the dead or there would be no proof of the forgiveness of sin or the promise of us being resurrected in the future. 
And so my remarks here are, wow, this was a power move for sure. It's tantamount. <laughs> the resurrection was the grand slam to finish the ball game. It was the buzzer beater three-point shot with time expiring on the clock. And that, that was how amazing the resurrection was and its ramifications for all that, that God was doing. Now, think about all of the, I'm talking to you personally, so I'm wanting you to think about conversations you've had with people who are not Christians. How many have ever engaged a human on the earth that is not a Christian? Okay, how many of, uh, of you have heard people share their perspective on, on their, their amazing deity that they worship? Has anyone talked to people that are from the Buddha, Buddhist background? Um, how about people from Transcendental Meditation? Uh, people that are Hindus, people that are New Age? The amazing thing that I found in, 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 in encountering all those people in my life in uh, you know, world religions, uh, Baha'i faith, people who follow Baha'u'llah. Um, there's only one, one faith that claims resurrection, and that is the, the, uh, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Only we have the resurrection. The resurrection is the big event. That was the D-Day. That was the Midway battle. That was Dunkirk. It was the end of the war for the, the kingdom of darkness. It was, you know, slam like a Steph Curry. You know, you, you, you toss that up and you turn away before it lands and the time's out on the clock and shunk, game over. That's what the resurrection was. In, in Romans chapter 1, I told you I'd get to work eventually, okay. In Romans chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, it says, Concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power. This is a power statement of, of declaring that Jesus is the Son of God, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So the resurrection of the dead was God's power slam. You want to know if this is really the Son of God? The Son of God will rise from the dead. We're going to, we're going to talk about how David extensively, excuse me, um, Peter extensively talks about the resurrection in that great sermon on the, on, on the day of Pentecost. Contrary to popular belief, and as a Pentecostal, I've always emphasized the outpouring of the Holy Spirit from Acts 2. But if you really look at the major gist of what, what uh, Peter's handling, he's handling the power of the resurrection. And then as a byproduct of the resurrection comes the... Uh, uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit. There would be no speaking in tongues. There would be no baptism of the Holy Spirit if it weren't for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. First yeah. Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance in, incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, 
who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, sometimes you read verses and it's just kind of like a flurry of blows being shot at you from a boxer. You know, I'd hate to be in, in, a, in, a, in a, a boxing match with like the, the world heavyweight champions because, you know, they're throwing a series of blows. I'm not sure where they're hitting me except I'm having pain in my side, pain in my stomach, and then I'm, I'm waking up being drugged into the corner with smelling salts. And that's how, how many power punches are right here that, that it, it tells us that through the resurrection that we are, number one, we're begotten to a living hope. Okay, what does a living hope mean? It's better than you've got to die to get it, that while you live, that hope is given to you immediately through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are begotten, we're, we're born again into a living hope. Number two, we are given an incorruptible and undefiled inheritance that's reserved in heaven. Now, I want you to understand that, you know, everybody kind of looks at their annuities, they look at their Roth IRA, they look at their, uh, you know, their stock portfolio, they maybe have real estate holdings, and, 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 and I've seen quite a bit of, of, of opportunities that people have um, exploited to uh, make money for retirement. But I want to tell you something, the greatest retirement is one that gets to last for eternity. Because you, you may be someone who's completely debt-free. You may own everything you have. You may have a company worth $20 million, not a bit of debt, and a cash flow that's bringing in, let's say, 3 to $5 million a year. But let me tell you something. You have to leave it within 80 years from where you are today. Unless you're one-year-old sitting here listening to me. Okay, most of us will not be here in another 80, 90, 100 years. So everything that we gather here is going to go up in smoke. But this inheritance that Peter's talking about says that we're given an incorruptible and undefiled inheritance reserved in heaven. What, what, what exactly is that? Okay, how about living in a sin-free world? How about having an all-inclusive timeshare? vacation. Heaven is an all-inclusive. You go there, it's the most amazing place to be. You're with God himself. It's permanent. It's the city where the lamb is the light. There's no, no night in heaven. It's one eternal day. It's, it's pleasures forevermore. And watch this, through the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, and he says, if you believe in me, now as a stamp of, of all that was accomplished through the resurrection, you have a reserved inheritance that's incorruptible. It's not rotting away. It's not like a cabin up in the woods that, that even, you know, well, my grandpa built this cabin, and we have a family cabin, and all of a sudden you find out that there's dry rot, there's termites, there's this or that. How many of you know that if you're a homeowner, everybody's house is falling apart slowly? Okay, we're all renters here. If you're a homeowner, you're going to find out one thing. You buy yourself a job. You're replacing faucets. You're replacing washers and faucets. You're, you're finding out that you didn't put enough insulation on the hose bib. And so, so you're replacing broken pipes. 
To own a car or own a house means that you have bought yourself a job. But this is an incorruptible inheritance that the Lord gives. And the Bible tells us here that we are kept by the power of God through faith. Now I'm going to read rather quickly what Peter was speaking of on the day of Pentecost. And I want you to catch the emphasis there was of the resurrection. In Acts chapter 2 verses 22 through and following it says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. Now Peter is talking to all kinds of Jewish uh, worshipers who have not received Jesus yet. They've come from all over the Middle East and other Northern Africa. They've come for the Feast of Pentecost. And, and so when these guys come stumbling out of the upper room, uh, speaking in tongues and uh, speaking the uh, mysteries of God, and everybody is hearing them, the whole group preach to them in their language, it was quite a notable miracle. And so Peter, doesn't take time to hype the miracle. He wants to preach the gospel of what the salient PowerPoint is of what Christ has done. It said, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, okay, and speaking of Jesus, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. There was an old song said, you can't keep a good man down. Speaking of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have, in other words, the, the, the prophetic picture of the son of David, the Messiah, the Son of God, who would later be, you know, demonstrated by power of the resurrection through the spirit of holiness. Only one person is going to qualify to do all this. And that's what Peter's trying to say. Hey, you know, like Jewish people today, they're still waiting for the Messiah to come. Well, we have one that rose from the dead. Yeah. And that kind of fit what David said. Yeah. And so what, what's your guy going to do? What's he going to trot out here and do? Give us free booklets? Maybe, maybe free toilet paper instead of having to flood uh, Costco for it. Because the one that rose from the dead's already come. And he rose from the dead. And David was speaking of, of this, that, that he would not see corruption. You will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. What does that mean by corruption? It means decomposition, that your body you molders in the grave. You decompose. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried. Now, David did not experience this power of an endless life. David is dead and buried, Peter is saying. And in his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet... 
and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning what? The resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor his nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having exalted, uh, there, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself, but he says himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand, till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Okay, now, we want to look at the results. That, 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 that Dave, or excuse me, Peter is emphasizing the words of David that the Messiah, uh, the son of David, would, would, would rise from the dead. And he's, and he's see, saying, hey, you guys, you're, you're gawking at all of us coming out of the upper room, wondering if we're drunk. We're prophesying the goodness of God, but I, I've got to get to the point. Y'all, y'all murdered the wrong person. Y'all put to death Jesus. And Jesus rose from the, the dead. And this is what the son of David was going to do. So could you please like bring up other four candidates that have also risen from the dead? Eh, you can't. You couldn't before, you can't now, you can't through eternity. There's one guy that's going to rise from the dead. Now, what would you do if you hear this? You're going to freak out. We've shafted ourselves. We have pottied in our cereal. We've messed up. What do we do to be saved? And that's exactly what they said. Men and brethren, what do we do to, it says here, now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is to you and your children and for all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. The power of the resurrection. The resurrection, and I'm reading some remarks that I picked up uh, from uh, uh, Easton's Bible Dictionary. And so I'm reading from Easton's right now. The resurrection is a public testimony of Christ's release from his undertaking as surety. In other words, acting as the insurance policy. And an evidence of the Father's acceptance of his work of redemption it is a victory over death and the grave for all his followers. The importance of Christ's resurrection will be seen when we consider that if he rose, the gospel is true, and if he rose not, it is false. You, you catch this? Resurrection validates the gospel. No resurrection, the gospel is worthless. Okay, who, who created this Texas Hold'em kind of a bet? God did. God set it up. No resurrection, no eternal life, no personal resurrection that you're going to rise from the grave and be with God. It all hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our justification, um, his res okay, 
if he rose, the gospel is true. If he, if he rose not, it is false. His resurrection from the dead makes it manifest that his sacrifice was accepted. Our justification was secured by his obedience to the death, and therefore he was raised from the dead. His resurrection is a proof that he made a full atonement for our sins, that his sacrifice was accepted as a, as a satisfaction to divine justice, and his blood a ransom for sinners. It is also a pledge and an earnest of the resurrection of all believers. As he lives, they shall live also. There's another quote I was going to read, but I'll skip it and get down to uh, the bottom here of my message. The author of Hebrews extolled the virtues of Christ breaking the power of death and the power of the enemy who held the power of death. In Hebrews chapter 2, and verses 9 and following, it says, But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. So let me just say this. God's really aware of our fear of death. God's really aware of the power that death has had over humanity. He's not ducking the, the 800-pound gorilla on the couch. Okay? Has anyone here ever pondered death? Okay? Is there anyone like me that probably ponders it at least once a week, if not more? Especially if I'm driving? My wife ponders it frequently. And so we see the author of Hebrews saying that Jesus suffered death, that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Implication that we won't have to. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here I am and the children whom God has given me. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself also shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. Okay? <laughs> through Jesus dying on the cross and being resurrected, he smoked the guy who held previously the power of death, that is, the devil. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation or payment for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Now, there aren't any chapter divisions in the original manuscripts, so Hebrews 3.1 is right after this. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the, the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Okay, 
This is why we're here rather than just kicking it at home, watching Dukes of Hazard reruns, is because we're considering Jesus. That's why we worship, because we're considering Jesus. That's why we're very faithful to talk to our neighbors about faith in God, because we're considering Jesus, because he has done a number of things through the resurrection. And these are our concluding thoughts. Number one, Christ's resurrection was a wrecking ball to the kingdom of darkness. Okay? Just like after the Battle of Midway, the, the, uh, Yamaguchi, I think, was the admiral that said, we're destroyed. He could see that by what, what the Americans did at the Battle of Midway, that that was a turning point. And I think he was also the guy that said and, and opposed the attack on Pearl Harbor. He said, and when they successfully attacked Pearl Harbor, he said, I, I, I fear that we have awakened a sleeping giant. Well, let me just tell you something. Satan, by crucifying Jesus Christ, he smoked himself because the wrecking ball came out of the grave. Boom! <clears throat> Wiped out the power of death, power of Satan. That has ramifications. That's why you can read John 11, and he said, if you believe in me, you'll never die. What that means is we'll go through death, but on the other side, we're going to, right there at the point of death, Jesus is there to say, welcome. When my mom and my dad passed away and Kim's dad passed away and Pastor Jerry and different ones that you and I have known and love that have passed away, they went through the veil of what we call death and they had no loss of consciousness. From the, from the time that they passed over, Jesus was there to say, welcome to pleasures evermore. Jesus said, if you believe in me, you'll never die. You'll never die. You'll never die. You'll never die. Wrecking ball. Number two, the resurrection proved that Father received Christ's payment for sin as acceptable. That's one of the world's greatest receipts for an invoice. We build heaven with our sin. All of mankind were shattered lost irretrievably, blinded by our own sins and lusts. And we kept adding to the invoice. And our beautiful Savior Jesus said, I'll take it all, put it on my tab. And the resurrection was God saying, accepted, paid in full. I don't know about you, but that excites me. Number three, the resurrection validated the faith of all believers, past, present, and future. They are all made righteous through Jesus. Number four, Christ's resurrection gives hope and proof that we will bodily be resurrected at the end of time. Jesus said, I rose up, and y'all, I'm raising you up too. We're going to say, Everybody out of the pool, come on, homies. We're going home to be with the Father forevermore. And we're going to come out of that grave and be reconstituted. And number five, the resurrection declares Christ to be the Son of God with power. I don't know about you, but man, this is like time for a mic drop. (laughs) I won't do it because these are expensive. But metaphorically... 
talk about an exclamation mark. Let's all bow our, our eyes and, and uh, bow your head and close your eyes for a second. Week after week, people come here looking for life. And the message that we preach here is that life is found in Jesus Christ. We're not here to preach at all. All roads lead to the same place. The Bible teaches there's only one road that leads to life, and that's through Jesus. There's only one that could say, I've risen from the dead. I am the one that was dead and is now alive forevermore. Only Jesus. And only faith in Jesus allows your sins to be washed away. You can try to do your own sin maintenance, but you can't wash away past sins. Only the blood of Jesus. I'd like everyone here that came here to find life. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I want to I want to join God. I want to be forgiven. I want to put my faith in Jesus. Just raise your hand real quickly. We want to pray with you. We want to join, help you to join God. Real quickly. If there's any anyone here and you say, boy, I want in. I want, I want to put my faith in Jesus. Hallelujah. Now for the rest of us, if you'd look up at me for just a moment. Wow, I caught up after all that time wasted at the beginning. Why do we come to hear the word of the Lord? Because we need to be reminded of what the scriptures say. How many know we had a little bit different angle on the, on the resurrection today? And I think it'll stick with you, some of it. Maybe not all of it. For 1995, I'll sell you my notes. Or you can get them for free as well. This is the slam dunk, the resurrection. Could we just stand up for a moment? Could you put your hands like a cup and just say, talk to me, God. Could you do that? Talk to me, God. Help me to understand the power of the resurrection. It's amazing, Lord. It was your plan, your strategy, and you executed it perfectly. Help me, Lord, to embrace that you have crushed the power of the devil. He cannot hold the fear of death over me any longer. I am liberated, washed, cleaned, and anticipating an inheritance. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Hallelujah.